The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Brad Coima is joining us. Coima, Coima, Verlick. And we look at these markets, and I love it, Brad, when we have you on, because we, we jump into the livestock and the truth, the honest, what we're seeing in this cattle trade. I think to start out, you made some interesting points. First day of Goldman roll. Are we going to see you a little bit more on the bullish side for these cattle? Uh, yeah. Actually, you are going to get a little more optimistic tone from me here this morning or this afternoon. Um and I, I tend to have a kind of be a glass half full guy typically on the cattle, but you know lately, as the markets adjust to bigger numbers, you know we've expanded the overall supply certainly, uh, you know, and 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 the market has suffered from it um, a little bit, of course. So, but but in the short term, you could see it today, you know, like last Friday, some enthusiasm I thought with uh, with a much better than expected cash trade last week. Don't let anybody kid you. There wasn't very many people at all that thought we were going to be able to pull off any kind of even steady money in the south and as we ultimately ended up actually being one and in some cases instances too higher in the south and then late in the north uh well for instance i was bid 114 on friday on my own kettle and uh decided to pass not that that makes me so smart but uh, i i think that the tone of the cash market is starting to to firm a little bit and when and what what i think is happening here is you've got you've got a packer that that's making so much money that he can't help himself if the numbers get just a hair tighter and if somebody would grow a pair in the south and quit giving away all these non-negotiated cattle you can you, you can get the packer to come your way a little bit because he's got a lot of margin so that's what i thought happened last week and that's what i frankly i think i expect to see this week too and if that's right and you get the cash say one i don't know one couple higher in the south and, and a little bit higher in the north this august looks to me like it's plenty discounted so i'm actually a little bit optimistic for a change maybe we can bounce this thing a couple three dollars you and i were talking before we started uh final bell and you talked about these tightening supplies and yeah winter struggles are still hanging on for these cattle as you mentioned how much longer are we going to see it before we start to see a bit of a catch-up or is it the number of cattle that we lost or have struggled because of health reasons really going to be a long-lasting effect well, I think that's a good question. I, um, it's interesting that we're talking about it. I sat through a feedlot meeting today, uh, you know, reviewing uh, closeouts of one of, uh, of a commercial feed yard that I'm a little bit interested in. I, I, uh, I would say that, you know, for the most part, you know, of course, I'm talking about where I sit here. We had four inches of rain again last week, but uh, so feedlot conditions are far from perfect, but they're certainly better than they were. Um, I, I think that the, you know, looking at showless in the north here, they're smaller than what I thought they would be. They're smaller, frankly, than uh, they were a year ago at this time. Uh, and I think they're smaller because of the effect of the bad winter and bad spring. Um, now, that does not mean that those cattle still aren't out there. It's just that they, you know, I, I think they're pushed back 30 to 45 days in the north is my estimation. Now, the south you know, Texas actually got by really good. Depends upon what part of Kansas you were in. The first part of winter was really tough on part of Kansas. Uh, toward the end of it, it got a little bit better. Uh, but that's where that burdensome supply had been, particularly in Kansas, uh, to a lesser degree in, in Texas. Now, Texas numbers are backing off a little bit, and the show list would indicate that. And actually, I can tell you that the numbers, while they're not by any means tight or short, I don't mean to, 
to, to imply that, but they're they're not as bad as they were, okay, in Kansas. So a little slackening, tightening of those numbers. And then the north, the cattle still aren't fat. Uh, you know, to try to answer your question, I guess I feel like, you know, we were probably only a couple of weeks, a few weeks away from seeing the supply start to bulge in the north, which would be kind of seasonally normal. You know, when the Kansas numbers start to run out, that's when we usually start to go into our bigger numbers up here. So, uh, you know, it, I, I guess that's my best guess. By the time we get to the end of this month, my, my, my thinking would be that the north, the numbers would pick up pretty pretty substantially. Switch over to the hogs. Interesting, as you look at African swine fever, we continue to see the spreads. But you said we're back to some levels from before this all began. Yeah, I I wished I had something clever to say about this hog market. I um, think I've told you my Neil Smith story, right? Yes. The guy that tried to ban futures, yeah. Makes you feel like that about the market, the hog market. I, You know, we got several of the months that are at or below where we were last uh, winter last you know uh, when, when 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 during march when we finally broke out here and the african swine fever story really became um uh, the whole hyperbole behind it uh, hit and now we're at those levels and you're going like really so all of that you know all the data all the countries that have it uh the fact that you know the losses are starting to estimate maybe 40 percent of china's cow uh, hog sow herds gone uh, hog herds gone um and, and, and so we're at the same price. We, we don't have just a bit of premium in with all that. seems to be quite odd to me. Um, record prices of hogs in Europe, I understand. Um, so, it, you know, if they do start to source some pork from us, obviously there's upside potential. You know, so now you get to the place of that, that, that dirty part of the market, right, um, where sometimes the fundamentals don't seem like it matters on a daily basis. I think you've got a situation, unfortunately, where the funds are a big short. Uh, every day they go down, they have a bigger uh, chunk of money to trade and they do what works they're very pragmatic that way so if it keeps going down they keep selling it uh, on the other side of the coin you might have some of us uh, in the public here that are going like well it's too cheap and we're fighting it and yada yada and so you got the wrong people um so i you know i'd like to think in time it would get a little bit better um uh, but you know any kind of easing obviously of the trade tensions would be the first step to getting the hog market better lots of things to look at as you you look at the grilling season as it continues not a lot of meat going across the counter because it's middle of july and unfortunately you what what happened there was we lost a lot of that middle meat high end demand like a steak cut type of a deal to the weather um, Mother's Day weekend is the high, is the biggest beef feature weekend of the whole year. We have more coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll take a look at the happenings on the grain ground. More is coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Brad Coima joins us. Let's take a look at the grain side of the action. As we look at this weather, I mean, we, and I've kind of talked about this with everybody this last couple of uh, days, is the fact that everybody said back in February, March, this was going to be a weather type of featured growing season. I think, Brad, it really is holding true. Now they're talking some warm-ups coming through. Does this change the way you guys are looking at the marketing, or what are your thoughts with this argument that seems to be going on? Well, you know, to talk about weather this time of year is something that we always do, however, this would be, I think, new territory. Um, we've had some years where we've had some late planning, but never, ever to anywhere near this effect. Um, so I think this one's going to be particularly difficult. Uh, 
Um, I know I've referenced 1993, I'm not sure with you, but with others, um, a year that sticks out to me. Um, I recall because I was bullish because, of, you know, it never got warm. It was the winter. It was the summer that wasn't, is what they called it in the trade business. Uh, uh, crop got in late, got in, put in poorly, uh, never matured, uh, and the market went lower all summer long. Uh, went from 265 to 220, a uh, different era then, obviously. And then when we got the combines in the inrows, literally, the first week of October, then we rallied from 220 to 295 because guess what? The crop was bad. Um, and I wonder if we're not going to struggle with that. And I think also you have to recognize a little bit of who we're trading with. Um, I would like to think from time to time it actually does pay to have dirt on your boots um, or mud uh, in the in the case so that you actually do have perspective. Um, I farm with my son, you know, uh, so and I, I know how to drive the corn planter, right? Uh, so I, I have a sense, you know, just I think how uh, troublesome this year's uh, planting has been, in, in, at least in, in a lot of areas. Uh, but I worry that it's going to take all summer to make that argument. Um, you know, so now it's been warm all week, right? Crop looks a lot better than it did last Monday. Mine does too, you know. Uh, is it a good, really good one? No, uh, because we didn't get a lot of it planted. What got planted was way too late. Still got all these hollow spots in the field where these wet spots are not going to mount to nothing. But, I, you know, so I, it's curious to me today. So the forecasters, and, and, and again, weather's weather, it changes, you know, but the forecast trends this morning were that we're going into much warmer and much drier here in about a week, okay? Going from El Nino to La Nina, that's what the talk is anyway. Um, and then the dialogue, we kind of had a laugh at it. People go, was that bullish or bearish? Uh, you know, hot, dry. Um, to me, it's bullish because, A, you're, the stuff that got planted timely, you're starting to gonna run into a risk of, of, of they might it might be close to the pollination phase. And, B, I think the other thing is when you put that crop in with it, when it really isn't fit and then it turns hot, dry, I don't think that that's a, a good uh, 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 ingredient uh, for, for, for a decent crop. So, yeah, so the hot, dry deal, you could tell the market couldn't make up its mind. Initially this morning it was nicely higher, I think, and then fluctuated a little bit. But I thought it was a positive close. The bull spreads worked good, and, uh, you know, corn still seems to be on track. Looking at where we're at export-wise, is export demand, especially for the soybeans on a world complex, just going to continue to be on the slow side? Most likely. Um, you bring up a good point because through all of this stuff, you know, we're probably worrying about marketing, I guess, so I hope we are. Um, and while I think the corn's got a, quite a bit of upside potential, I don't think the beans have a lot at all. In fact, the beans, even though the corn-bean ratio is ridiculous at 2 to 1, I know all that too, uh, but it's because of the fundamentals. Uh, you've got a, a major trade partner that has lost maybe half of his hog herd. Doesn't need to have soybean meal, right? Doesn't need to nearly have as much as he used to need. Um, and he's not buying it either. In fact, they got a bunch of it on the books that they haven't uh, picked up yet. Um, China does. Um, you got a big South American crop. Um, you got a bean crop that's probably a little more weather flexible. In other words, you know, if we don't have an early frost or whatever, you know, this bean crop's probably got a little more potential to it, the late planted stuff, than the corn does, in my estimation. So the beans are a struggle. I was so hoping that we could get the November beans up toward that 950 to 970 level, and uh, I would be very aggressive from the standpoint of hedging the markets there. But oof, that feels like it's hard work. That's 50 cents to 70 cents away from where we are right now.
And obviously the continued influence we're going to see on, on China trade, USMCA, the whole gamut's going to weigh in both the grain and the livestock trade action. Oh, yeah. If we could just get a little bit of hope there, you know, I mean, uh, tangible, something real maybe. Um, I think, you know, uh, you know, I could argue that the, the, the whole business of the trade uh, disruption cost the bean market probably a dollar a bushel, you know. Would we get all of that back? Maybe not, but gosh, what could we get half of it maybe? Uh, that would seem to be reasonable at least to me. Uh, let's hope so. I, You know, the way we came out of that last round of trade talks, at least it seemed like, you know, the, the, the communication lines are still open um, and whether we can make some real progress is anybody's guess, I'd say later rather than sooner. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Thanks for having me on again. 800-358-3047. And that is a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.